Hi folks, a shout out this week to Sharon Pask, who did a review of the Take On Board podcast. Thanks, Sharon. She says, gender pay gap episode, very informative session with Emma Ray. Thank you. Well, thank you, Sharon, for taking the time to do a review. We love to get reviews here. And thanks to Emma for doing that episode. Second announcement for this week. This week we're hearing from Kari Hatch. And listen right through to the end of the episode where she shares resources because not only does she share some resources in the episode itself, but sent me a voice memo afterwards with some additional ones. So there's some gold in there. Radio, on with the show. From a board perspective, what's the purpose of the board team? And so when we're really clear on our purpose, when we understand our motivations and the motivations of others, and when we communicate, we've got good protocols for how we communicate. And all that needs to happen in the context of trust, um, because trust makes everything possible. Hello, and welcome to the Take On Board podcast, where we talk all things boards and governance. I'm your host, Halia Svensson. Being on a board can be interesting, valuable and exciting, yet it can also be really lonely, challenging and hard. So here at Take On Board, we'll bring you weekly tips, tricks and advice to help you build your governance wisdom. We'll shine a light on how to navigate your way onto your first board or to build your board portfolio. We'll also help you to work through those challenges that keep you awake at night. Each week, I'll talk to women who have been there, done that, and together we'll discover what we need to take on board to be your best in the boardroom. Today on the Take On Board podcast, I'm speaking with Corinne Armour about fearless leadership in the boardroom and from the other side of the board table and executive perspectives. First, let me tell you about Corinne. Corinne's the former Deputy Chair of Winteringham and a founding chair for the Torch Project, where she helped the organisation move from a project auspiced by the not-for-profit to an independent structure. She's a speaker, trainer and coach who helps leadership teams develop fearless leadership and delivers transformational results. Known for her energy, empathy and results focus, her clients come from a range of sectors, including local government. Her latest book, Leaders Who Ask, was released in 2018. She's also co-author of Developing Direct Reports and two specialist texts in human behaviour. Welcome to the Take On Board podcast, Corinne. Thank you. I'm delighted to um, talk to you, Halia. I should also say Corinne was my former coach and I still consider her my coach, even though I haven't had coaching sessions in quite some time. So it's kind of interesting to be talking to you this way instead of across the coaching table. I know that we're not supposed to have favourite clients, just like we're not supposed to have favourite children. So I won't make any comment about that. (laughs) So Corinne, it's great to have you here today. Can you tell us a bit more about yourself? I would love to. So my expertise is leadership and I help senior leaders and their leadership teams develop fearless leadership. So fearless leadership, when you've got one executive team that's aligned and fearless, then the executive team's able to leverage that thinking diversity and access the collective wisdom of the leadership team. They're also able to model the dynamic that you want right through the organisation. And that leaves us with an executive team that is setting the organisation up for success. 
So, Corinne, before we talk about fearless leadership from the executive perspective and fearless leadership in the boardroom, we would love to hear more about you. So, can you tell us about your upbringing and the lessons you learned and what you got up to and leading influences on you in your childhood? Well, I grew up on a farm in Gippsland and it's it's a nice almost circle back that we should be talking about this right now because in a couple of days' time, I'm moving back there after oh, well over 30 years, actually. So I grew up on a farm, had a really free upbringing, and my parents were both very community-minded. So they were both members of things. Actually, both my parents were leaders in the fruit industry. Um, so I, I grew up on an apple orchard. And they were involved in everything. And I think I learned a strong sense of the importance of community and the importance of if you see something and you don't like the way it is, then take action. So my mum developed a lot of fairly significant initiatives. When I was in my teens and probably early 30s, she's still very active now. In fact, she has a, an Order of Australia Award for contribution to the fruit industry and to community. And what I learned from both of them is, is the importance of community and the importance of making things happen. Like if something's not happening the way you want it to, then do something about it and don't complain, make change happen. So they were, they were very strong influences in, in my life. It's so interesting hearing this from most of my, a lot of the guests that I talk to and hearing those introductions and that sense of community and giving and doing something is such a common theme amongst women in the boardroom. Maybe that's unsurprising, but it, it seems to be a really common theme that I'm hearing from our guests. It's about connecting with people and, and doing something for a greater purpose than, than you and your immediate family. This could be also considered an excuse, I guess, if you spin it the wrong way. But when my kids started school, I made a commitment that I would not join the boards or the the committees at school because I've always been really active in the community and there are so many people who aren't and I thought it's an it's an opportunity for parents who don't already have those strong community connections to do this and so I haven't been actively involved at all in the in the sort of the governance and the administration of the kids schools. Again, for those that are listening that are, have been on school committees and so on, I so often hear from women when they are thinking about getting into the governance space, oh, I was just on school council or no, no, I haven't got any governance experience. You know, I was just on school council. It's like that is governance. Governing a school, you know, it's one of the most important things that can be done. So well done you for allowing that space for somebody else to take that on. <laughs> fearless leadership, Corinne, I know is one of your passions. Why fearless leadership? Why is it important to you? I spent a couple of years teaching English in a refugee camp on the edge of a war zone. So I was on the, the border between Thailand and Burma or Myanmar, as it's called now. And I was working with Karen ethnic minority group from Burma. So I was the only foreigner for a lot of the time that I was there living in a pretty isolated jungle camp. And when you've got hundreds of thousands of people living in refugee camps around the border of a country, as you did then with Burma, and still do, although not there are changes in Myanmar now, so that is slowly changing. 
you know, people look at that and most people would say that's a problem of a political problem. I don't think it's a political problem. I think it's a problem of leadership. It just so happens that that particular version of leadership is in the political sphere. And that is just a massive waste of human potential. Hundreds of thousands of people intergenerationally living in refugee camps. It's such a waste of human potential. And so that got me passionate and inspired to, to do something. So when I came back to Australia, here we have everything we want. Everyone can live up to their potential. But still, that's not the case in Australia. It, certainly not destruction and waste on the scale of around the borders of Myanmar. And with the work I do now, moving in and out of organisations, so many people, leaders and people right through the organisation are not living up to their potential. And so I'm passionate about helping individual leaders and mostly leadership teams be the best that they can be to live to their potential so that they can help everybody in the organisation be the best that they can be. You're working with leadership teams to help the rest of the organisation. From our perspective, what can boards do to make sure that they're making the most of the human potential in their leadership team? Because they're often the key connection, I guess, with the leadership team. From your experience, what's your advice to boards to make sure that they are maximising that human potential? Well, each board member individually and then the board as a team, because the board is a team, how fearless are they being? You know, are they having the conversations that need to be had? And are they doing it in ways that build and not bruise? You know, so how well are they communicating informally and formally? What's the motivations for what they do? Do they understand that about themselves? Do they understand that about each other? And are they able to work well together as a board? And what's the purpose? You know, there needs to be a really clear purpose. And interesting, when I work with executive teams, the purpose of the organisation is typically clear mm. and individual purpose is clear. So, you know, that top level of organisation, the bottom level of individual, but the level in the middle of what's the purpose of this team is often less clear at an executive level than it is in a more junior operational level. And so... From a board perspective, what's the purpose of the board team? And so when we're really clear on our purpose, when we understand our motivations and the motivations of others, and when we communicate, we've got good protocols for how we communicate. And all that needs to happen in the context of trust, mm. um, because trust makes everything possible. So how well is the boards individually and then as a team covering off those four domains of leadership and if they're doing that well then they're setting the the rest of the organization up for also being fearless mm. and and I think it's probably worth just saying here that fearless isn't a complete absence of fear because you know yeah <laughs> the, the only time there's ever a complete absence of fear is when you're dead or dead drunk and neither of those are terribly useful for leadership so it's about you know there is fear there but it's fearing less it's working well together so we can feel that fear, use it as data and do what we need to do anyway. So I'm wondering, again, from your experience, working around those things that is needed in the boardroom to get the best of the leadership team, to get the best of the team, have you got any examples? 
no need to mention names, but if you've got any examples, maybe where it's either worked really well or perhaps not worked so well and then what that group has done to turn it around or even what that board has done to turn it around. Some of the things that I hear my executive clients, so I'm mostly working with executive teams and things that they, in particular the CEO, but depending on the relationship that the board has with with management, and it's, sometimes it's most of the executive have a, a fairly active role in the board relationship. And it's things like when the chair is tense, then that transmits so quickly to the executive team. And then when the executive team's tense, if you don't have an executive team with a high emotional intelligence that can recognise they've picked up the tension from the board, then that gets passed into the organisation and, and it spreads like wildfire. Adam Galinsky is a neuroscientist and he coined the phrase, the power amplification effect. What that's saying is that when you are in a position of power, things you say are amplified, things you do are amplified. So if there's tension at the board and then that transmits to the executive team and then the executive team transmit that through the organisation, it flows top down. So the more aware a board is of managing their own emotional state, then we can have good conversations. If we've got a high level of of tension that's translating into perhaps behaviour that's more at at an aggressive rather than an assertive end, Mm -hmm. and then we have the CEO and or the executive team feeling under threat, we're triggering threat response in the brain, then we're creating a neurochemical response that is not leading to resourcefulness and it's not leading to pro-social choices. It's not leading to the best ability to think through and respond to whatever the, the challenge is at hand. Whereas if we've got a board who are able to have good open conversations where everybody feels safe, regardless of whatever's being discussed, then the opposite happens and we get more um, oxytocin and dopamine. So neurotransmitters that are related to more pro-social choices, higher levels of trust, higher levels of resourcefulness, the more effectively the board manages their own emotional state, their own stress state, the more effectively they can work creatively with the executive team. Other things I, I sometimes hear is that the chair is not chairing. And I'm sure you've had other guests talk about the importance of the, of the chair and the role that the chair can play. But when the chair either is not stepping into their authority, and I don't mean in an authoritarian role, there is an authority that comes with the role of the chair and is not chairing or is perhaps chairing too strongly and so there isn't sufficient conversation around the, the table if one person is allowed to hijack the agenda, there are often things where, I, where the CEO will say, we're just not having the conversations we need. I've got a brilliant board. There's fantastic people around the table, but I'm not able to access mm. the knowledge and the skills and the experience they bring because the conversations aren't the right conversations. And often that comes back to, to the role of the chair. The role of the chair is absolutely key. 
in making sure the culture of the boardroom, and I think what I'm hearing, therefore, is the culture of the organisation operate in a positive and constructive way. Hello, it's Helia. Now, as you know, I love bringing great women together, so I've got two quick asks. Firstly, could you share this episode or the podcast with either your friends or some work colleagues or even the colleagues you're on a board with? I firmly believe we are stronger together, so being able to share it is fantastic. And thank you to all the fabulous people that have already done this. Secondly, if you're not already part of the Take On Board Facebook group, we'd love to see you over there. A big welcome to Jackie, Patricia, Lavania, Katrina, Jennifer, Shannon and Kylie, all of whom have joined in the last week or so. And you'll find all sorts of fascinating conversations in there and some events as well. So if you're in Sydney, pop on over there to have to find out more about the Sydney Meetup, which is on Monday the 2nd of March, or the Adelaide Meetup, which is on Friday the 6th of March. It'd be great to have you there. Now, back to the show. I wanted to swing back. You talked before about that tension and having almost, I guess, like a healthy tension in the boardroom. And often conversations in the boardroom are quite robust. And the trick, I think, is to make them constructively robust rather than negatively robust, for want of a better word. That they, people need to be able to say exactly what they're thinking and ask those questions, but not in a way that is going to cause some of the negative effects of that. But it's a really fine balance. And often, I guess, the chair is key in that as well. It's a fine balance between having that healthy tension and having an unhealthy tension. What are some of the things boards can do to create that safe space and that trust that you're talking about that helps to make sure it's positive and constructive? Ask first and tell last. If the board ask good questions, firstly, they'll get the context they need to understand the challenge or the dynamic or the opportunity at hand. Often the context of of this particular organisation isn't the same context that the board member might experience when they're on the board of another organisation. So let's say we're talking about a director who's on a portfolio of two or three boards. The context of each is likely to be different. So if you don't ask questions, you don't get that context. Also, if we're talking about volunteer boards, you've typically got someone who's an executive somewhere and they're coming and they're being, and they're also on your board. Mm. So without asking good questions, you're assuming context that could give you a completely different sense of how you might handle the situation than if you were to really understand the context. So that's the first reason why boards should ask good questions. The second one is that we will often jump in with, okay, right, here's what you should do. And quite often, that's the thing that the CEO or the executive team has already tried. So we're wasting time hearing your suggestion that actually has already been tried. And board meetings, like any other meeting, has a limited time. So let's not have conversations that are redundant. Let's have useful conversations. And then the third reason for asking good questions is that we can work out what's the best conversation for us to have around this challenge. So if board members ask a few good questions, then sometimes the need for that in a robustness, in adverted commas, goes away Mm. because we're just having really good open conversations and we're understanding more. The more you do to build trust, then the more we can have those tough conversations as well. So 
there's two levels of trust that are really important. One is the level of trust within the board team. So how well does the board work together? And I will sometimes work with boards. If I'm doing a 12-month program with the executive team, then quite often they'll say, can we do an extra day for the board? And sometimes that's about helping the board to understand the journey that the executive team's on. And often it's about the board needs some of these skills as well. I'm guessing maybe sometimes it's dressed up to have the board there to understand the journey the organisation is on. As the role of a host, your role is to make guesses. (laughs) (laughs) No namespaces. Right. Yes. So where where were we talking about how how do we have those robust conversations? So firstly, ask more questions. Secondly, build trust. And thirdly, if you want to have a robust conversation, issue a challenge, what's your motivation for that? And is your motivation for that because you desperately believe based on now a full understanding of the context and the actions that have been taken so far that this is the best course of action? Or are you defending something that was a position you've had for some time or um, an action that you've taken or you've seen others taken in the past? We so often, when the energy rises in a conversation, the motivations aren't always pure. So for each director to just check in on, what's my motivation here? Why am I wanting to push this particular argument? And then have it. But have it with that knowledge that, you know, we've got, we've asked some good questions, we're in a trusting relationship and the intentions are good. I'm sure we've all been in meetings before where we get that, whether it's a board meeting or otherwise, otherwise, but having those conversations and you can feel yourself being a bit triggered by them. And I think what I'm hearing is having that, okay, what's going on in me here and what is the best outcome for the organisation versus what's going on inside of me? When is this about winning? Like on a completely different track, we have a property which has tenants in it and there's the neighbour has concerns about a tree. And so I, I think we've worked through that we don't want the tree pulled down because it's a beautiful tree and it's, it's a native tree. And my husband's wanting to go back and say, yes, but we, we have to tell him he has to. And we don't. We've saved the tree. We're all good. We don't have to win. Winning was saving the tree. We've won. Done. Sometimes we just, we get caught in the energy of a dynamic and we've really forgotten what's the purpose of the dynamic in the first place. In fact, you mentioned purpose before as well and not necessarily around the purpose of the organisation. I mean, boards are hopefully well across setting the strategic direction for an organisation and where do we want to be in the future and what are our priorities to get there and all of those sorts of things in relation to purpose. But you were talking about purpose in relation to the team almost and the group. What have you seen in setting that team's purpose? How does that work? What are the sorts of purposes that groups have set that you've seen have worked well? How do they have that conversation? Well, this is one of the earlier conversations that I have when I work with executive teams because often the purpose of an executive team, you know, unofficially defined, is it's the meeting point where all the executives report to the CEO. Mm. And are we just a group of people running separate parts of the, the organisation and the common factor that we share is we all report to the CEO? And that's the way many executive teams run. That loses the power and the promise of having everybody 
interconnected. This is not about decisions by committee. You know, no one can make decisions about what happens in the division that they lead because we come together and we all do it as a, as a team. It's not about that. But what it is about is let's bring some of the challenges that we share together and let's understand what our purpose is that we as a group are leading the whole organization. And I did a blog probably about two months ago where I, I put some flip chart images of different purposes that leadership teams I was working with had come up with. And they're surprisingly varied. Like sometimes it's about providing the energy and the capacity for the organization to fulfill the mission. So it's more general. Other times they're quite specific and it's almost a point in time. So if I'm working with an executive team that hasn't worked well together for whatever reason, and sometimes how I end up with an organization is because the board says we think the executive team needs some support. More often it actually comes from within the executive team. So sometimes this purpose is, is really about us reforming as a powerful leadership team and it's a snapshot in time that in six months or 12 months will shift Mm -hmm. this is the purpose of us as a team right now in fact in February I'm, I'm working with two different boards where I've been working with the executive teams up until now and purpose is for at least one of them is one of the conversations we'll have Mm. And is it generally the purpose in that context for how they work together? What's the horizon, for want of a better word, or the time span of that purpose? How often do they, or would you recommend they swing back on those conversations? Probably every 12 months, it's a good idea to revisit it. And sometimes it'll be, yep. So I think the last time I revisited purpose with a, a leadership team was actually the week before last. And they all looked at it and said, that has power and energy. That's it. It was a three minute conversation. Other times it might be, oh, I'm looking at that and I realise now there's nothing about the vision or there's nothing about enabling community. And so they'll want to add something in and and then at the furthest extreme, it's no, this doesn't feel right anymore. Let's just put that aside for the moment and let's say if we were to start today, what would it look like? It's a really interesting angle that perhaps boards can add to their hopefully regular, hopefully annual board evaluation process, not just about then determining their own activity together as a team and the individuals that make up that team, but what is the purpose of them as a team? There's an incredible power with alignment. So when my personal purpose Mm. aligns with the team purpose of the board that I'm on, that clearly aligns with the organisational purpose, then that's strong. And often just having that conversation will bring that alignment. There may well be that similarity of views in the room, but until you really bring it together and attempt to document it, you won't know that. And being clear on your personal purpose is important too. I was thinking about a conversation I was having uh, with an executive last week and the board It's quite a big business and the board has representation from their member group. Let me put it that way. Mm -hmm. And so the executive I was talking to was, was talking to me about how it's really important that when people join the board, they understand that they are coming as a director with all of the responsibilities of a director. They're not coming as a parent and they bring the knowledge 
of being a parent and being within the community, that's not, if they're coming to advocate and that's why they are willing to join the board, that's not the role that they're taking on here. And that's an interesting one of purpose. So what's my personal purpose in joining this board and what's the contribution I hope to make? And then how does that align to the purpose of the board and then the purpose of the organisation? Which again is a good reminder that, of course, we bring our own individual experience and our individual skills, but it's not about our individual agenda, much like the conversation before about the tree between you and your neighbour. It's not just about winning that. Corinne, so many beautiful pearls of wisdom in this conversation. So I'm wondering, drawing that together, what are the main points you want people to take away from the conversation that we've had today? Ask more questions. I think you said in when you introduced me that my latest book is, it's called Leaders Who Ask. And so it's not surprising that I think that directors should ask questions, ask good questions of themselves and each other, as well as of the executive team. So ask more questions. Think about the extent to which your board team is fearless. The extent to which you're having the conversations that matter and having them in ways that build each other, build the issue and build the executive team. And I think the third thing is since we've talked so much about purpose is just be clear on what's your personal purpose and then how clear are we on the purpose of the board team. Fantastic advice for our board members or aspiring board members that might be listening and it's highly likely people will be listening to this as the first episode of 2020. So it's a great recipe for a fearless year of 2020. Ask more questions, be more fearless, know your purpose. Fabulous. So is there a resource that you can recommend for the Take On Board community that might be useful for them? I think there's two. The first one is uh, my book, Leaders Who Ask. That's available at any good online bookstore. And you can download the first free chapters complimentary on my website. So my website is www.corinnearmour.com with a double R and a double N, which tricks everybody. In fact, it tricked my grandfather when he registered my birth, which is why my name is spelled that way. It wasn't meant to be. (laughs) (laughs) I did not know that. How fantastic. And he didn't even know then, my dear grandfather, when he registered my birth so many years ago that it would become important when we needed (laughs) our name as an email address. Well, at least it means that nobody else has got the domain. Yes, that's true. That's true. (laughs) I'll make sure I put a link to your website and to the book in the show notes. And And then there's also a white paper that I think would be useful for the board community, which is Fearless Leadership. And both of those on the website, there's a free resources page or a complimentary resources page, and you can download both of those. Connect with me on LinkedIn. If you've enjoyed the conversation, connect with me on LinkedIn. Well, we will put a link to your LinkedIn. We will put a link to the white paper and to your website all in the show notes to make it easier for people to find you as well. Because I know as somebody who gets your weekly blog and watches you on LinkedIn, again, there are all sorts of magnificent tips and tricks and tools for people to use there as well. So thank you. It has been wonderful to have you on the podcast. Thanks for being on the Take On Board podcast today. Have a brilliant 2020. That's a wrap for the Take On Board podcast today. I do this podcast because I love bringing good women together. 
So it's great to be able to share these conversations that I'm having with these amazing group of women with you. Now, can I ask a favour? Could you share this podcast with someone you know? Perhaps you can share it with some of your board colleagues or someone else that you know that's interested in exploring all things boards and governance. With your help, we can grow the Take On Board community. Last but not least, if you want to continue the conversation, you can also join us over in the Take On Board Facebook group, where there's lots of great discussions, tips, tricks and resources being shared. I would love it if you can join in the conversation there. You can find it by searching Take On Board in Facebook. Thanks for listening and tune in next week for another fabulous conversation.